0: So in keeping with what I had just mentioned about the number of CDs sold and the amount spent on advertising, and maybe even the amount you spend on your lawyers, we might have a function that looks like this. The profit as a function of number of CDs, advertising dollars and lawyers dollars might be the $15 per CD minus the $1. eighty-five it costs for you to make them, times the number of CDs, plus maybe you make two times whatever dollars you spend on advertising, plus maybe you make a tenth of the money back that you spend on the lawyers. So in a profit, you make back what you spend on the lawyers plus a tenth more would be your profit as a function of the amount of money you spend on your law team. So this is also very simplistic when you start thinking about all the kinds of variables that can go into a profit function but just to show you an idea of how something might depend on more than one variable it's a good start anyway now we have what we're used to is if we have a pen that works we have f of x equals maybe y but we could also talk about f of x and y together and that we usually call z and that's what you may have seen in three dimensions for some reason we put x down here y here and then z going up so if you imagine the corner of the room this is three dimensions represented by this relationship f of x y equals z but we could even go beyond 3d to 4d Now, can you imagine what a logical fourth dimension might be? We don't just have the position we're in, we also have when we're in it. So we could also think of the fourth dimension as time. That would be one example. But in terms of what we're going to be moving into, we often think of our fourth variable as W. You now it seems strange. We get to the end of the alphabet and then we go back, but that's the order. X, Y, Z, then W, U, V, whatever other letters in the end you might need. So we're moving into a lot of variables that we might be using. So I'd like to actually jump forward to a problem that's in Section 2.3, uh, just to show you why you're going to be needing what you're going to learn in 2.1 and 2.2. So problem 16 in section 2.3 states that the board of trustees of a small hospital assumes that the daily operating expenses, E, can be expressed by the formula E equals A plus BX plus CY, where A is the overhead, B is the cost per patient, C is the cost per resident physician, X is the number of patients, and Y is the number of resident physicians. So we could actually look at this and see that expenses are a function of five variables in this case. When there are 50 patients and five physicians in the hospital, the expense is found to be $6,050. When there are 40 patients and two physicians, the expense is $4,840. When there are 30 patients and one physician, the expense is $3,770. Find A, B, and C. Well, you might look at this and see that E equals A plus BX plus CY doesn't just have A, B, and C. It also has X and Y and E. So, can you look at the problem again, read through it completely, and underline for yourself, since you have the book in front of you, presumably, underline the parts that correspond to um, the formula. For example, what does 50 patients correspond to, and write that in, and five physicians. And expense, where would that go in the formula? And see if you can start to set up the problem in such a way that looks somewhat familiar to you. And then we'll come back and see how you've done. So we need to find A, B, and C. But first of all, we need to have the problem set up. It's one of those word problems that has, makes you do everything. So A is the overhead, B is the cost per patient, and C is the cost per physician. But we also have X, Y, and E. So X represents the number of patients at any given time. And Y represents the number of physicians. So our expense being A, overhead costs, not multiplied by any patients or physicians, plus B, cost per patient, understandably times the number of patients, plus C, cost per visit per physician, understandably, times the number of physicians gives us our total expenses. So you can see how this relates to what we did previously with the cost function. Now the question is, how do we take this formula and the information given to us? Well, they told us, first of all, that when there were 50 patients, so we have to decipher that to mean x equals 50, and there were five physicians, then the expenses were $6,050. Then they said, for a different situation, at a different time in the hospital, if you had 40 patients, X is 40, and you had two resident physicians, Y is 2, then the expenses were less, which makes sense, 48, 40. And then we had the third case. If x was 30 patients, y was one physician, then the expenses were even less at 3770. So we have three different situations and according to this formula then we should have three different equations. So using the first the first information $6050 would equal A, we don't know, plus B, we don't know, times X, which is 50, plus C, we don't know, times Y, which is 5. So we have a first equation. 6,050 equals A plus 50B, since it's nice to put the coefficients first, and then plus 5C. So this is our first scenario in the formula. So take a minute and write the second two formulas the same way I did this first one and we'll come back. So did you get a system of three equations with three variables a, b, and c? Here's the one that I wrote but just written a little more conveniently with the constant on the right-hand side and then the coefficients and the variables on the left. Then the second set of information 1a plus 40 b plus 2c equals 4840 And then the last one, overhead, plus 30B plus 1C equals 3770. Now, you've probably seen problems like this, maybe not with such large numbers, but you've probably seen systems of three equations with three variables before. Now, if you don't remember how to do these, You might recall an easier problem, say 4x plus y equals 2, and x minus 3y equals 6, something like that. And I'll let you practice this on your own, solving this system of equations. Uh, You will have seen this before, probably um, in classes before this and also earlier in this book. Two ways to solve this, either substitution where you might maybe want to solve for x, x is 6 plus 3y, and then substitute that 6 plus 3y back in to the x in the original, the first equation. Or you could do elimination, where you eliminate one of the variables, but in order to do that you might need to multiply one or both of the equations by a certain number to make them add up to zero. For example, if you add 4x to x, it's not going to eliminate the x. And if you add y to negative 3y, it won't eliminate the y. So the easiest thing to do would be to either multiply the second equation by negative 4x. So that you'd have a negative 4x plus 4x is 0x. And then you'd have a 12y plus y is 13y. And then you'd have, what did I do, negative 4? So I'd have negative 24 plus 2 is negative 22. And then you'd have just one equation with one variable, namely y, to solve. Or you could do the other way, multiply the top equation by, if this is negative 3, then you want to multiply this top one by positive 3. So you have positive 3 plus negative 3 is 0, y, and then you could solve for x. So most students do elimination, although you could also solve for x and use substitution. You can actually do that to solve this system of equations as well. But do you want to? I don't want to. Tell you what, you can do it as an exercise, um, but we're gonna do it an easier way in a couple of sections. But this right here is why I took you through this whole circuitous explanation about break-even analysis and what are matrices, because matrices are gonna make our work with things like this a lot easier and a lot more efficient. And first thing, we want to do a lot less writing. Because if I wanted to write, I would have been an English major. So we're going to take this and make it even more concise than we normally do in math class. And we're going to do that with something called a matrix.